0: On Kamal Prescott Road, this is Stalking Art, a series about pairing and conversing with art thinkers and makers on how they ponder.
1: As a gallerist, I think, while I'm drawn to that beauty, I'm also drawn to what is behind that beauty.
0: On today's introductory episode we're going to delve into our gallery's rather extraordinary journey, not just in terms of its history, but rather a journey that has continually been made richer with its constant evolution and inventive decisions. With that, let me introduce our gallery's director, Shireen Gandhi. Welcome to our first episode, Shireen.
1: Hi, Ashna. It's uh, wonderful to be speaking to you. You know, you work with us, but uh, to have this sort of telecast is special. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: You know, this is a new avenue that the gallery is exploring to, in a way, reach a newer audience and demographic. And perhaps with that bring to light some of the really intriguing conversations that people in the art world have when they're thinking or talking all things art and well if I speak for myself and I think this also rings true with most young people drawn to or part of the art world is that what really attracts us to an art space is its ability to transform with time and Constantly take on new forms, and that's what attracted me to be a part of Camel's team. Um, you know that although it has this undeniably path-breaking legacy, it hasn't really had to rely on how deeply rooted that is, but has through the years used its sort of chest of knowledge as a foundation to create this ever-evolving, shifting, relevant space for creative processes to flourish. And interestingly, Kemold, as it approaches nearly 60 years now, has very much been in the middle of these many trends and shifts that the art industry has seen. And I just really want to know how you think that voyage has been like for the gallery.
1: Ashna, first of all, I'm quite, um, I'm interested that you feel like this and I, uh, and you know, it really heartens me that you're doing this. Uh, I don't know how many people there are like you, but I think it's, um, it's a good, good kind of beginning that uh, somebody who is so passionate is sort of launching into something that uh, may not be everybody's cup of tea. But here we are, you know, trying to reach out to an audience that we don't, usually sort of manage to necessarily touch. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, basically, um, Ashnam, the gallery has, yes, it has a very, very, um, you know, strong legacy. My parents were really somebodies in the world, if I may say, not just in the world of art, but really in Bombay as citizens, as, as um, you know, people who were able to, influence um, thought, who were able to influence decisions. So um, uh, the gallery was actually just one unit in their life, but a very, very important unit, of course. So um, my father, who went to college and sort of you know, ambled into this, as one often does, uh, uh, ambled into being a frame maker, uh, and then very much ambled into the art world not even a gallery but for 20 years before he actually started the gallery he was uh, uh, he was really flirting in many ways and in very very um, in very decisive and interesting ways of uh, you know building institutions Mm. so um, so before the gallery His engagement was much to do with sort of building up the Bombay Art Society or All India Fine Art Society. And that's really where his interest continued to lead him, you know. So even after becoming and starting the gallery, he wasn't conventionally a gallerist per se. Um, You know, a gallerist is always interested in one, promoting art, but also, you know, making money off art. For my father, money was very, very, very secondary mm. um so luckily uh he had my mother to um you know hold that part of the business and you know not that my mother was necessarily a astute businesswoman she was an astute woman mm. so thank god for the woman behind the man who actually uh was able to sustain you know daily operations of the gallery because without her really that would never have happened the gallery wouldn't have Succeeded in any way that it has now. So, um, so, so basically, coming to back to the question, uh, you know, a chance encounter or encounter with um, with a very well-known um, artist called Walter Langhammer, who uh, introduced um, young artists to my father, then sort of spurred him into starting the gallery and these young artists were really really uh, literally off the street in many ways you know quite poor um, but you know uh, very very daring and very determined to be artists so these were people like M.F. Hussain or Mm. K.H. Ara or uh, there is there is a particular group called the Progressive Artist Group, Mm -hmm. um, which was very close to the very Bombay centric group. So there was Ara, Souza, Hussein, Gade, Raza. And these are all Mm -hmm. names that um, many people in the art world sort of grew up with, you know, but they were merely uh, young boys at the time who sort of were the uh, stepping stone for my parents in some ways, you know, to enter into the world of art.
0: Wow, I mean, that's incredible. These artists are literal masters, you know, they're legends in the Indian art world. And I guess, in a way, Kemold has been part of their legacy, I suppose, from exhibiting them as mere young artists like you said to uh, be a part of this incredible narrative that they have left behind and well through that um i feel that Kemold has managed to remain a quote-unquote contemporary and i'd really like to know how you think the gallery has you know been able to do that over the years
1: you know, contemporary is a, is a very broad word. And if you look at what they did in terms of remaining contemporary, I mean, look at what they were doing in terms of contemporary, It was the artist at that time, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so if you were kind of working with people like Ram Kumar or, um, you know, let's say famous names that people might know, like Hussain, for instance, who was, who continued, you know, he was famous then and continued, to um, remain one of the kind of people that was sort of ubiquitous with art, you know. Mm. Like if you think of art, you think of M.F. Yeah. Uh But eventually, these are the kind of artists that then there's this category where they become like modern masters, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But they were contemporary artists at the time. And uh, over time, um, you know, Ashna, when I started working with my parents, In um, the gallery, I was all of um, 25, 26. And uh, they had already run it for a while. My parents were older parents. So um, they kind of were quite happy to hand over the reins, you know, in some ways. Mm. Uh, And uh, they weren't feeling like sort of stuck to their seats. They had many different interests. So I think there was a kind of nice relief that there was a continuity. So when I entered the gallery, I kind of started feeling quite drawn to artists of my generation. Mm. So, you know, when I first met um, an artist called Atul Mm Rodia, he was just a little older than me and um, had just sort of making his own mark in the art Mm -hmm. world. Uh, He gained a lot of success very quickly. That was exciting to me. So I think Atul for me and, you know, his vision of the world and what he brought through his own reading of art history sort of put me onto a path where I felt quite comfortable with artists of my generation. Mm. So uh, I became quite passionate about that part of, you know, the art world. And I started sort of not feeling as uh, enthusiastic for want of a better word, uh, of the older generation, you know. I mean, that's just one's personal calling, Mm -hmm. right? You feel comfortable, you like uh, what younger voices are saying. So it's kind of like moving with that, with my time, Mm -hmm. rather than holding on to my parents' time, you know. Um, the, The interesting thing was that, as I said, they weren't kind of feeling like i was taking something away uh i don't know i mean you know why they did that uh one in retrospect one wonders i mean there was this sort of sense of like we like you know my often my father really couldn't grapple with what was happening but um he still didn't kind of feel like he still wasn't controlling you know mm-hmm. so as a result the gallery profile uh at the time was quite young um Despite it being one of the oldest galleries, uh, we were working with very, very young and upcoming artists. Um, There was um, a buzz of a certain kind of art making that was happening, uh, you know, a change, a shift in the way mediums were being used. And uh, this was like somehow... Something that I flowed with, you know, and I was drawn to. I I still remember a wonderful exhibition that Nalini Malani... I mean, Nalini wasn't exactly young and upcoming. Today, she's 75 years old. She's really one of India's foremost artists. I won't even say women artists. She's really leading the scene in many ways. Um, And uh, Nalini wasn't working with us as an artist. She was working with Pandol Art Gallery... But uh, she was drawn somehow to a certain youthfulness, perhaps that I presented mm-hmm. and said that, you know, do you think we can show? And I was, of course, like delighted. Uh, but um, so like Nalini, you know, at the time when we had her first exhibition, she was um, for the first time working in a medium That was not canvas. That was not watercolor necessarily. Of course, she was a great watercolor. She never stopped making that. Mm -hmm. But for the first time, she made an installation piece, you know. And and it was like, I think I didn't even know what installation art was at the time. (laughs) Um, But it was my first experience of uh, an artist working with mylar, which is like almost like acrylic kind of sheets that are uh, that were sort of you know hung like curtains and you could walk through them and on those curtains were painted so you sort of saw you know people uh, that became a part of the painting and it was just tidying that art was not necessarily canvas based you know or something that could just be on the wall mm-hmm. so this was where I was going. And when you asked that question about how did it remain contemporary, I think these were the kind of moments which uh, uh, excited and kept me sort of hunting or drew me to artists like this, you know.
0: Mm, That's incredible. And, you know, I suppose in a way, it's all about those moments then that become key in sort of forging a path for the journey ahead and I suppose in a way newer and younger voices have sort of always been a part of those moments and journey for Kemold and well you know the gallery was opened in post-independent India which was a completely different social political landscape to the India we see now and you know, I feel politics and activism has always been important to Kemal. And do you think that's sort of been relevant in uh, creating those moments and uh, keeping with the times in a way? Uh, I'm sure
1: it has. Um, Yeah, you know, so when I talk about my parents being interested in many things other than art, uh, they were quite politically active, uh, they had a point of view. They they sort of partaked in election processes. Uh, they were very active during the emergency, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they we hid people uh, who were uh, being um, uh, sort of taken into jail. So mm-hmm. we had a. So they, you know, I, I, I guess that when one grows up with with that milieu. Mm. Or that, uh, you know, one is in a certain atmosphere of constant conversation with the time. Um, these are things that um, also draw you to artists and to um, artwork that also speak with to the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's important when you have a certain point of view that you don't kind of get pulled into art because... Simply because it is beautiful
0: Um,
2: or
1: simply that it has an aesthetic. mm -hmm. I mean, of course, no question that that is um, something that is extremely important to any art making process, you know, Mm. Uh, a certain aesthetic, a certain, um, I I don't want to use the word beauty for the sake of work, but you know, a certain kind of um, rigor Mm. uh, that could, could be beautiful, could also not be beautiful but uh that is something that a gallerist i think does carry in terms of um uh, you know the point of view in in some sense mm. you know so for instance just in the personal sense i i do love a, a very beautiful aesthetic palette it is something i get drawn to you know so like say the the very delicate and beautiful uh, strokes of a uh, Nilima Sheikh mm-hmm. um, an artist from Baroda who's also a senior artist she's 75 as well but has always kind of maintained uh, a certain kind of um, you know a palette uh, she draws really she draws from Persian miniatures she draws from um, you know a Turkish paintings. so there are many many references but it Eventually, it's a very balanced, beautiful work. Mm-hmm. But within that work is a very strong, active political voice. You know, mm. uh, so if she's talking about dowry, or, or she's talking about uh, a, a big part of her her artistic life has been referring to Kashmir. You know, mm. and uh, and she and she refers to that in different ways. You know, whether it's the tools. The the workmanship, um, you know, uh, she reads from from writers who have talked about Kashmir. So she references that. So within all that beauty is also a very strong political voice, a very strong point of view. Mm. So um, as a gallerist, I think while I'm drawn to that beauty, I'm also drawn to what is behind that beauty, you know.
0: Yeah and you know well I suppose sometimes the beauty behind it becomes the more attractive part and this is really making me think of how we communicate our surroundings and our histories and how artists um, tend to communicate this through their work and you know bring a sort of Indianness to it. So I guess I'd like to ask you um, your thoughts on what you think is Indian about contemporary art or does Indian art uh, need to wear its Indianness on its sleeve? Uh, yeah I mean that's
1: like a question that I kind of grew up with in some ways mm-hmm. when uh, somebody like I mean especially like you know a lot of uh, the artists of the older generation I'm talking about the Ram kumar the Akbar Padamsis. the uh, the Raza, who never came back. But all of them went to Paris, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and they sort of like really came back with a certain kind of European aesthetic, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, don't forget that when you have a certain kind of milieu of painting going on at this particular point, um, these kind of artists do begin to influence others. It's not copycat or anything, but it becomes... A certain, you know, one say, I mean, like today the word could be trend, you mm. know, trending or trend, mm-hmm. but it is a certain kind of moment in history where many artists of the, a certain generation paint like others, you know. Mm. Uh, so when there was a certain point where if Ram Kumar was painting um, a scene from Banaras, mm-hmm. you know, it was not, I mean, it wasn't so like you don't see necessarily the Ganges and the steps it's his vision of it and that vision carries with him Banaras but it's not explicitly saying so it could be a painting that could be a scene in Paris also you know Mm -hmm. it's the palette or whatever that then makes it perhaps you kind of make a parallel to it being something from India you know so it could be color Mm. uh, in some way but when you say colour, it's not like oh the usual Indian colours. It could be just just a light, you know, this a light of a particular Indian sun sunlight mm-hmm. which is uh, which is so particular to, to us here, you know, as compared to the sunlight in in Europe, for instance, you know, yeah. or France. But more and more um there was a certain kind of European aesthetic that the earlier generation had. You know, mm-hmm. and there was this question that one constantly heard, and I think again it was this kind of you know when you have one influential figure um, that suddenly broke that broke that moment, um, and he's an artist called uh, Bhupen Khakkar. Mm. Uh, Bhupen Khakkar was a chartered accountant by profession, who then turned into becoming um, an. Uh, um, he went to Baroda and did art criticism, I think, and then would sort of dabble with the printing department in MS University, the art school in Baroda. And, you know, like because he was in the company of artists, started painting
2: mm-hmm.
1: and drawing and making etchings and and then, you know, quite accidentally, one would say, started really taking painting more and more seriously but still continued to be a chartered accountant in the company that he was working in you know so he never learned painting right he he just came into it as a chartered accountant mm. and lived in baroda was friends with famous i mean not at that time but with very one now important voices so you know like a gulam sheikh or a nilima sheikh or a jairam patel so he starts keeping company on asri mohammadi you know these are his friends uh-huh. And he then begins to um, paint. But what does he begin to paint? He begins to paint his immediate neighborhood. Mm. Uh, He begins to paint his watchmaker or his um, washerman or like people who he encountered on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And he brought in like this strong sense of India in his work, you know. Ah. But like so strong, it was like that, you know, those blues you see when you those painted houses when you pass... Or pinks when you when you go into smaller villages and you're like yeah you know <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what he brought into his work in a very very determined way mm. and uh, you know so he began to make the people that you know people like say an Akbar Padamsi didn't paint he brought them into his work you know ah. so it's interesting how a generation shift happens and somebody like Bupen Khakkar then becomes a very important voice in the world of art
2: Mm. you know
1: so now why am I talking about Bupen because Bupen one yes he was a very influential figure in narrative painting uh, which was something that um, any art history student will speak about because it's a very important moment Mm -hmm. I mean I'm not I'm not talking about movements here with you but I'm just saying you know if you talk about uh, a moment in art in the 80s um, uh, the Baroda School, Pupen Khakar, Ulam Sheikh became extremely important and relevant voices. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so that became like, so when you ask if what, what is it about India, they were really painting the colors, they were painting the people. Mm. So, it, so it suddenly shifts, right? Yeah. Into that, you know, and then it sort of continues in that genre until you have other breaks and then you have a, a Atul Dodia who's extremely influenced or looks upon Bupin's work quite, uh, I mean, I have to say that Bupin really didn't know how to draw. So uh, he made very awkward drawings and very awkward paintings, you know, (laughs) but there lay the kind of the beauty of what he was, you know, I mean, there was just something so charming about Mm. it. And this is what I would also like to say that to be able to draw perfectly or have this astute kind of line uh, and you know this ability to to make is not necessarily needed
2: mm-hmm. in an
1: in the artistic life or the art practice of an artist you know you can be quite clumsy and and really Bupen was that he was the word was clumsy <laughs> you know but he was in that clumsiness he was able to really um convey life in the neighborhood of his baroda life or if he went to a satsang you know the awkwardness of the way people would sit <laughs> But anyway, going on to say from an Atul and then further on, you know, as artists begin to um, sort of take on again their contemporary life, you have, um, say somebody, I would like to jump to an artist like Jitish Kalat, you know, yeah. Um, again, very young, 21, 22 year old, who is in some sense, looking at himself as the narrator of his city, Mm. you know. So the self-portrait becomes very important and they become very larger than life. Uh, And he brings in the city, but again, not in this kind of, oh, this poverty-ridden, you know, woman carrying a basket on her head, Mm. uh, portraying India in all its kind of um, stereotypes, you know. Yeah, yeah. It again becomes a very youthful, young you know looking at the way that people may converse sitting on a bench in a station you know mm-hmm. so it he could be indian he could be from anywhere in the world Uh but what he's carrying on his head is the city you know so the entire sort of like the cityscape becomes um like burdened on his head mm. you know or, or sort of like the weight of it is all on his hair. Instead of his hair there's a city. So so that's the way that somebody like Jitish would convey, you know, um mm-hmm. his his Indianness, quote unquote. Uh. Have I answered the question?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And well also I can't um help but think about this global health crisis our country is going through right now and artists sort of responding to this very unusual, traumatic new surrounding. Um, You know, I think uh, Shilpa Gupta and Dhruvi Acharya have done a very incredible job in responding to this and creating their own narrative. Um, But
1: um, often the response is, um, you know, you know, we always say that artists are they speak of our time, but quite often the, that response is not immediate. You know, mm. it mm-hmm. takes time. So, like what happened in Bombay in the during the riots, it took Atul almost eight, seven, eight years to come to terms with an actual artwork. Mm. Uh, but I think in in terms of say like two artists that you've mm-hmm. named, two very different artists. You know, Ashilpa. Gupta is so different from a Dhruvi Acharya. Yeah. But both of them responded to this moment, you know, Mm -hmm, in very mm -hmm. different. Dhruvi Acharya, artist in her 40s, living in Bombay, um, living with two boys. Uh, As soon as lockdown Mm -hmm. began, the the weight of that whole moment was very immediate to her. And uh, she sort of like took it on almost like a challenge Mm -hmm. to... um, do one artwork a day, almost from the beginning of lockdown 2020, mm-hmm. you know, March, April, 2020. So rather than kind of, I mean, she just didn't wait. So it became, you know, it's just this whole this whole idea of people with masks or people with PPE. We didn't even know yeah. what is a PPE, you know? yeah. Like what do people look behind them? I mean, what is this mask? And it was so kind of alien, right? That yeah. this world was sort of like, becoming part of our... I mean, now it's almost everyday lingo, but what is what does yeah. it mean to quarantine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so all these terminologies, all these, the, the, you know, the, the doctors, the, the part that we started reading so much more about frontline people, you know, and these frontline people became our doctors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, COVID warriors, you know, all these strange names that started becoming a part of our vocabulary yeah. started becoming an immediate part of her work. So this is one way, you know, and it's an unusual kind of plunging into the moment, um, you know, time. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody like Shilpa actually deliberates very long before she comes to the idea. Mm. She really deliberates, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it's for her that the work is so thought out. It's so, it, it's so, it's so long in the making. Um, that it was unusual again for Shilpa to have come up with a with an absolutely fantastic work a little bit post lockdown because it took time to actually produce it was um, you know in stations you have these train timings that shift that kind of go click 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 click, Mm -hmm. you know it kind of like say the uh, station or the airport you know you say Bombay uh, you know flight number so and so yeah and that keeps changing or usually you have it at stations mm-hmm. so it was this clicker board it's called what she calls the flap board which is her her medium mm-hmm. okay so mm-hmm. on that was sort of text that ran which she wrote uh, it was a, like a really poetic text about keeping six feet distance mm-hmm. uh, and just sort of narrating poetically I don't quite remember I wish I had the text with me but uh, she kind of poetically narrates that text through the flapboard mm. and that flapboard keeps changing and it you know it it pauses and then it goes on and it pauses so so that was really her lockdown work mm. and um it's it was shown at a station in Germany quite shortly afterwards you know mm, yeah um so somebody like Dhruvi is a painter who almost at that moment illustrated the mm-hmm. time and shilpa uh, is a highly conceptual artist you know so the her response was very different
0: mm. you know yeah and well it's also got me thinking of our response um as an art gallery and the art industry uh in these times you know we've really had to adapt to what an art viewing experience is and figure out new avenues of bringing this experience onto people's screens in their homes and I can't help but think of the new possibilities and forms an art space might take in the future. Um, How would you say this experience has been like for you?
1: Well I'm just glad to have a young team I must say Ashna so welcome (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know I, I had no idea what was OVR again, a new terminology of lockdown times, Mm -hmm. online viewing room, Uh, luckily, we sort of changed our website. And we have a art management system that really provides this platform, we're able to, uh, you know, luckily, this was just done a little bit prior to, um, to lockdown where we use this time enabled in in, in teaching ourselves Mm -hmm. uh, how to adapt, you know, um, so, so having these tools has been a real gift. I would encourage people to go and see com because we hopefully try to keep it not so interactive, but at least in terms of just um, visually um, somehow interesting, if not exciting, you know. So that was something that uh, one adapted to making a real wonderful unit of uh, other gallerists who came on board and we started a sort of platform called in touch mm-hmm. which again was an online viewing room but it gave an opportunity to actually you know share that always had to be a united mm-hmm. front yeah. you know you know so these are kind of learnings and uh, so uh, you know having uh, photography uh, great photographs to our aid and being able to do a virtual room for the first time. It's been new learnings, I think, for all of us, you know, and I'm very um, uh, grateful that we are able to, but I'm also very uh, happy that we have a team that enables this. So, (laughs) yeah.
0: Well, yeah, it's going to be very exciting to see what new avenues the gallery explores. um, One being, I suppose, this podcast. And yeah, yeah, with that, we come to the end of our first episode. Oh, thank you for the lovely conversation today, Shireen. It was
1: wonderful. So look forward to more. And uh, I think we've got some fun ones lined up. Yes, we do. uh, You know, in conversations. So thank you for taking this initiative. And I look forward to more of these.